There is one prayer that is most commonly uh, prayed in our church, and it's a very short one. What is the prayer that we pray the most in our church? And it's a very short one. Had somebody take a guess? Kada? Yes? No, not our Father. We pray our Father a lot in our church, but not the right one. There is a, a, a supplication or a specific supplication or prayer that we pray. It's the most prayed one in our church. I, I want to say that we say it maybe at least a hundred times. Lord have mercy. Very good. Okay. So this is, this is the one that we say maybe at least a hundred times a day, if not more. Yani if you happen to be a typical uh, Coptic uh, uh, guy that prays Akbaya in the morning and at night, then you're going to see it 41 times in the morning and 41 times at night. You're already at 82, right? And then yani in the middle of the day, you're probably going to just say it. We say it only not only 41 times, come in. Because when we start the prayer, when we come to say, or Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord bless us, Amen. So here you go, this two times. And then when we say, have mercy upon us, O God, and have mercy upon us for all times and every hour. And when we say, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, at the end of it, we say, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord bless us. So you, you get the point is that the word, Lord have mercy, is something that we pray most common. When you come and attend the liturgy with us, we'll say it in many different forms. Sometimes you will hear it as Kriya Laysun. Sometimes you will hear it as Alaysun, Imas, Osios, Obatir. Or sometimes you will hear it as Jainainan. And sometimes you will hear it in the just simple English, which is Lord have mercy. But the point is, this is a prayer that we pray the most in our Coptic church. And because we truly need it, we all truly need God's mercy. We, we truly are in dire need of God's mercy. But today, as we read the gospel, of course, this is Luke chapter 6. And Luke chapter, chapter 6 is a summary of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So it's the same version, still the Sermon on the Mount. But all the, the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew and Mark and Luke, they all say it in, in different uh, or, or summarize it in different ways. Matthew happens to me the the most detailed one. It took him three chapters to to put down for us the Sermon Tamount. Luke kind of summed it up and he put it all just in chapter number six. Okay, so Taban the, the the Sermon on the Mount has so many different teachings, but there is one point that and I thought to stop at today, which comes towards the end, and he says. It says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Be merciful towards one another just as your father is merciful. And then God kind of put it to us as a condition. Well, he put it for us here, not specifically in a condition, but he put it for us here in, in the form of a command or asking us to follow the example, follow the example of, of God himself being the most merciful, of course. So he says, be merciful as your Father in heaven is, is merciful. But in other places, actually, he also put it as a condition in the sense that if you are not able to exercise mercy, if you're not able to show mercy, then do not expect mercy back. Okay? 
So if you're not able to show mercy unto others, then do not expect God to be merciful towards, towards you. But oftentimes we go by a double standard when it comes to this. We want God to be so lenient when it comes to dealing with us. We want God to be so merciful whenever He is dealing with us. But yet when we are dealing with others, we not necessarily are the most merciful people. In fact, we are very quick to pass on judgment, condemnation. We are very easily to hold grudges against others and so on and so forth. So when I sat down yesterday and I said, okay, how do I show if God, you want me to show mercy unto others in order for me to gain your mercy, in order for me to obtain mercy, how can I show mercy towards others? When we say, okay, be merciful, what does it mean to be merciful? And I sat down and I started writing things together from my head. And then I said to myself, I thought, why am I going through my head? Let me just go down. Maybe he has it very clear for me. And then sure enough, I open it. And then he tells me four things by which I can show mercy. Let me read, read the verse for you. Okay, so it's, therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Okay, so this is the commandment. Now let's go to the application. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Okay, so how do I do it? He puts it in four points. This is number one, judge not. And you'll not be judged. So number one is what? Judge not. Okay, then next one, condemn not. And you shall not be condemned. So the second thing is what? Do not condemn. And then the third one, forgive that you may be forgiven. So number three is to forgive. And then the number four is give. And it will be given to you and to give. So there are four forms, four forms by which we can show mercy towards people. And the four forms are very easy. Do not judge, do not condemn, forgive, and give. Easy to remember? Let's say it again, okay? Do not judge, do not condemn, forgive, and a, and give. One more time. Do not judge, do not condemn, forgive, and give. Okay, very easy. Now, oftentimes when we say be merciful, or the act of mercy, oftentimes when we think, think act of mercy, it's just simply يعني, give. Somebody in the street, give. We're going to get to that. But, but there is so many other forms of being merciful. And we're actually asked, we are actually asked not to exercise one, but we are asked to exercise all, all four. Yani we need, in order for us to gain God's mercy, we need to have all four. We need to not judge, we need to not condemn, we need to forgive, and we need to give. So do not judge, okay? Do not judge. First of all, we live in, 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 uh, in this, when we go some, by, by the way, our children criticize us, our you know, culture, a lot of times for being very, very judgmental. And with that, I just want to tell you something يعني, very is oftentimes we go by what things look like, but you never know what's really deep inside. You never really know what is deep inside. There was in, in Greece a monk that lived in, uh, in one of the monasteries, and this monk was known as the drunk monk. 
He was known as the drunk monk. Every night, the monks, whenever they pass by his cell, they will see that this monk is drunk. Okay? Every night that monk would be drunk. And then time passes by, and then that monk passes away. And when he passed away, then they brought him to the church, Alashan, to pray the to pray the funeral for him. And the abbot of the monastery, he stood there and he said a beautiful homily about how saintly and how good this monk was. And of course, all the other monks who are sitting there, they're just sitting there and they're looking at the abbot like, yeah, right, okay, you're just saying whatever, come on, we all know the reality. And then after the funeral service is done, they go and they bury the monk. And then they sat down and they gathered to eat a, an agape meal. So the abbot realized what is happening in their mind, that they're all judging, okay? And not just judging the monk that died, now they're judging the monk that died. And they're also judging the abbot of the monastery for saying something that is, is not true according to their standard. So the abbot he told them, let me tell you a story about this monk. This monk was born an orphan, in, uh, an orphan and he was, uh, uh, he was turned in, into an orphanage in Siberia when he was a baby. And this orphanage in Siberia happened to be an extremely poor place that was very cold, you know, you all know how cold Siberia can get to be at, at, at night. And then the, oftentimes the, the person who is in charge of this orphanage, she wouldn't even have food to give to the babies that are there. And the babies at night, they would be crying from two things. They'd be crying out of hunger and they'd be crying out of cold because they're freezing. So the person who's in charge of the orphanage, when she didn't know what to do, she would get a bottle of, not vodka, but something similar to vodka, very heavy alcohol. It looks clear, but when you add water to it, it turns white. Maybe some of you know what that is, okay? I think they call it ta'ara'. So it's like a clear type of alcohol drink, very, very heavy, very heavy alcohol. But when they add water to it, it turns white and it looks exactly like milk. So she would make think of that and then she would put small bottles or small cups and she would hand it to all the little kids in the orphanage well that kind of that kind of did two things okay now number one is the kids would take it and drink it thinking that it's milk right and uh, she would maybe add like a little bit of sugar to it or something so it says okay finally we're, our hunger is going to be satisfied but the other good thing that it did is it knocked him out okay <laughs> so the kids would stop crying and the kids would get warmed up because of how cold it is. So this young boy, he grew up now unwillingly, unwillingly, he grew up to be an alcoholic. But though he grew up to be an alcoholic, he also had love for God. So see, there are two separate things right here because it wasn't his choice to become an alcoholic. But he grew up to have a love for God. And when he grew up a little bit, and he became like a youth kid, 
he went, he started visiting monasteries and liking, and finally he went to the abbot of this monastery, and he told him, I really desire monastic life, but I have one problem. So he says, I am an alcoholic. So after the abbot of the monastery, really uh, testing him, and realizing that his desire to live a holy life with God was true, he gave him a permission. He told them, I will let you join the monastery under one condition. And what is it? He told them, no more vodka. <laughs> okay. The only thing that you are, I'm going to allow you to have is wine. And that can only be at night. But during the day, you cannot do it. So that monk would sit the whole entire day. And he would be resisting really, really hardly, resisting all the urge and the temptation until the night time comes. And then he would drink his wine. And then he thus was labeled the drunk monk. So when the monks of the monastery heard the story, they said, well, sure, this guy fought against sin more than any of us. Sure, this guy he went through in his life more than any of us. So we have no right to judge them. We have no right to judge him because he went, he went through a lot. So when you see people doing something around you, don't be quickly to pass judgment because you don't know what people are going through. So it says judge not. And then after this, he says condemn not. Okay, because there's two differences. Between when I judge, this could be something that is in my mind, okay? But then condemn, this is like when I verbally bad pass on the judgment and I kind of like put this person in a category. And usually this happens in a court case, okay? A condemnation, somebody's condemnation is happened in a trial format when people gather and they try the person and they pass a condemnation and they said that the judge has passed an order that this person is guilty and they label the person as guilty. By the way, two days ago was the feast of St. Moses the Black. And if you pay attention, whenever St. Moses the Black they draw an icon of him. He's always carrying what? A sack. St. Moses the Black, he's always carrying behind his back a sack. And the sack has sand. The sack has sand. And you know the story. One time a monk was caught doing something wrong. And they gathered around all the monks to do a trial for him. Okay, so now they're about to pass a condemnation. And they called for St. Moses and they told him, because he's one of the elders of the monastery, and they said, come, because now we're holding a trial for a monk who was already found guilty. So he's already found guilty and now they're just gathering to pass on the sentence. Okay? And Moses, the, after refusing a couple of times and after they had insisted him going, so he put some sand in a sack and he put it in his back and the sack had a hole in it, so he's walking around, and the sand is just dripping or trickling down from his sack. And then when he went, and they told him, what is this that you're bringing? He says, this is my sins that I am putting behind me, and I'm coming to look at somebody else's mistakes. Okay, Don't pass a judgment. Do not condemn someone. Do not label anyone. A lot of people have stopped coming to church because they were labeled, okay? Would you like to be labeled? 
No. Nobody wants to be labeled, right? We all just want, we all want to fit in. I mean, yeah, if, if I want to, if I'm going to be labeled as the, the MVP, you know, of a team, of course, yeah, I, I want to be labeled. Okay, these are good things to be labeled. But you know what I mean, you know, when I say like labeled, okay? So nobody really wants to be, nobody really wants to be labeled. One time in a small town in, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, they caught a man uh, stealing uh, bread, a loaf of bread from a bakery. This is long, long time ago. And then they, they gathered in, uh, in the court to try this man who stole a loaf of bread. And then a lot of the people, businessmen, they came and they attended this assembly. And when the judge sat down, and he brought the man, the thief, and he told him, you know, you're a thief. You stole something. And, and the man, he told him, just here, my case. The judge gave him a chance to speak. And the man, he said, I have been going hungry, both me and my family, my children, since I lost my job a few months ago. And I keep going to the different merchants or the different businesses in our town asking them for help, either to hire me, or if they're not to hire me, is to lend me money, or to just simply lend me a loaf of bread. And when nobody would do anything, and my kids were really hungry at home, I found that I had no choice but to steal that loaf of bread. So after everybody sat down and they're listening to this guy's defense, now they're, they're waiting for the judge to pass the order that, okay, he is found guilty because he admitted that he stole the loaf of bread. So the judge did something really interesting. And then he said, he said, you are gonna have to, he said, well, that, that loaf of bread that you took, you know, you're gonna have to pay for it. But here's what I'm gonna do first. So he took off his hat and he says, this man, he had to steal because you're all greedy people. You're all greedy people. If one of you had given him a loaf of bread or had given him money, he wouldn't have had to steal. So he took off his hat and he passed it around and he asked everybody in the court to put a dollar for it. And then they gathered on that day about $31. He took one dollar, which is the price of the loaf of bread, gave it to the baker and he said the $30 is yours. And he gave it to the, to the man that was poor. Okay. Point is, again, oftentimes we condemn people, we judge people. But yet when we stand in front of God, we tell him, God do not judge us, God do not condemn us. Well, he's going to pass the same measure unto you, that you, that, or he's going to use the same measure with you, that which you use with others. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Now, when I talk about forgiveness, okay, and you know yourself more than anybody else, you know that you need a lot of forgiveness. I know that I need a lot of forgiveness. I know that I need a lot of forgiveness. And I know if I compare whoever sinned against me to what I have sinned against God, it will really be minute, very, very little, okay? And if I compare how many times somebody have sinned against me versus how many times I have sinned against God, again, this would be very little, very little. Because oftentimes we say, well, why, need, why do I need to forgive this person? I have already given him a chance. We say that I've already given him a chance. 
And yes, you've already given him a chance. But then how many chances has God given you? How many times has God forgave you? How many times have God just, you know, let, let go? And it's great when, when, and, and, uh, when, when, we think, when, when we think of God's mercies and we say, Lord, that your mercies are countless. And we say they are like the, the sand of the seashore or they are like the, the stars in the sky. God's mercies are countless. And we all take advantage of that. So, so we need to be forgiven to, forgiving to one another. And then the last thing, so we said three, three things so far. We said, do not judge, do not condemn. And we say forgive. And the last thing is what? Give. The last thing is give. Now give who and give what? Okay. Now, give who? He says it. Give whoever asks you. Give who? Give whoever asks you. So what if this person who is asking me is harami or nasab? Or this person is, is whatever. I know that that is tricky. Do I give or do I not give? You know, Pop Shenouda, he used to have a, a very common, a very beautiful saying. Okay? He says, he always to say, Give the thief for the sake of the needy. He used to say, Give the thief for the sake of the needy. Meaning what? Meaning if there are 10 people that are in front of me, that are all asking me to give them. Okay? Let's say out of those 10 people, there are five thieves and there are five needy. Okay? If I sit down... And I say, oh no, he's a thief. No, he's a needy. No, he's a thief. No, he's a needy. Then what am I doing? I'm doing, I'm breaking the commandment that I just said right now. Okay, do not condemn and do not judge. So now I just judge and I just condemn. Okay? And am I always going to be right? No. A lot of times I'm going to make a mistake. A lot of times I'm going to pass a judgment on somebody that he is a thief, where in reality he might be, a needy, right? So give the thief for the sake of the needy. Okay? Give the thief for the sake of the needy. So somebody asks you, give him. I'm not saying that you, you know, give him everything in your, in your, in your pocket, but, but just give. Give whoever asks of you. So when I say to give, I mean give could be whatever. It could be materialistic, financial. It could be food, drink, whatever. But there is something else that is really important to give. We also need to give the peace of God. When, when Christ, he, before he, he leaves to heaven, He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Give God's peace to people. Somebody will come to you broken hearted. You know, try to comfort them, try to heal them. Somebody will come to you who is sad or down. Try to lift him up and to cheer him up. You know, this is all ways of giving. It doesn't really have to be financial or materialistic. There's so many other, you, you, whatever, you're, you're in school, you're in workplace. You see somebody down, just, it could be just a simple thing as a hug, you know, or just as a little pat in the back. And oftentimes, that is more than what, and, and oftentimes, this is something that money can never, can never purchase.
One time I went to Venice Beach and I was walking down Venice Beach and I met a guy and he saw me and says, are you, are, are you a priest? I said, yeah, first you called me man of God. I told him I'm a priest. He says, okay, so he started talking to me and he showed me he had a big hernia in his stomach and it was like popping out like this and he was about to go into surgery. And we started, we started talking and he introduced himself as Tom number three because apparently there in the homeless community there's Tom number one and number two and he was number three. He told me so when I go next time and ask, I ask for Tom number three, they can, they can show me who he is. So after him speaking with me for a while and asked for my prayers, so I put my hand in my pocket and I was honestly reaching for two things. I was reaching for the cross so I can pray for him. And I was also reaching for a pen so I can write on a piece of paper my phone number and give it to him so if he wants to ask me. But when he saw me put my hand in my pocket, he thought that I was reaching out for money. So he flipped. And then he started cussing me out. <laughs> and, then, and then he said, I don't need your whatever money. And then he kept going on. And I'm like, Tom, relax, man. I'm not pulling out money. I'm just pulling out my cross so I can pray for you. And then, and then immediately he calmed down and he, he flipped. And he says, he says, you know, I'm sorry, Father. I, 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 thought, I thought you were just one of those people that was just going to give me money. Because oftentimes people think that they can just give me money and I'll be fine. But I don't need money. You know, he at that time needed comfort. He needed love. He needed somebody to pray for him, to pray with him. By the way, Tom number three was a very successful man. At one point, he owned a house and he was married, but his young wife died from cancer. And when his wife died, he got into depression and he lost everything. He lost his job, he lost his house. And this is how he ended up in the street. So Tom number three is not a bum, you know, he's not a bad person. He's a good person that had just went through a lot. But if any of us would just pass by and look at him, I tell you that chances are most of us are going to judge him, are going to condemn him. And if he would cuss us out, then we would not forgive him and we would probably not give him what he needs. But this is not what God wants us to do. He wants us to be merciful. And how do you be merciful? Let's review again. How do we be merciful? Okay. Number what? Judge not. Number two? Condemn not. Number three? Forgive. And number four? Give glory be to God forever. Amen.